Welcome to Greycast, exploring the world of Greyhawk one podcast at a time. This podcast is all about bringing the classic world of Greyhawk setting to life through Greyhawk creators, Greyhawk lore, Greyhawk streamers, Greyhawk stories, and of course the vibrant Greyhawk community of gamers. Thank you for tuning in and let the exploration of Dungeons & Dragons' most classic and revered setting, the world of Greyhawk, begin now. Hey fellow Greyhawkians, it is that time again, and I am really excited to um, be part of the continuation of our deities exploration. Mateus and I are working our way through Appendix B gods of the multiverse in the fifth edition players handbook um as a kind of a starter list if you will i mean there are so many deities in the greyhawk pantheon um and we're we're probably close to halfway through with this episode uh we're going to talk about uh cord mateus will start with cord and then i will um take care of encabulos and then mateus will take istis and then i'll close with neural so what's up mateus good to see you Good to be seen. Of course, All our right. viewers can't see you, but... Uh, no, they can hear me. But they can hear you, yes. We pity them for that. Yeah, it's probably best for them that they don't have to see us. That's right. That's right. All right. <laughs> so Cord, right? We're going to talk about Cord, and it's Cord with a K. Cord so with a K. So kick us off, man. Tell us tell us what's up with All right. Cord. So, so with Cord, we come to... Is this our first of the Sewell Gods on the list? I it's wonder. possible. I, I I'm I'm not sure. I, I can't remember all the other ones, but um, there's not that many right. Sewell gods on this list. And Cord is the most powerful of them. He's also known as the Brawler. He is a chaotic good intermediate god, and his uh, uh what do you call it? Not domain. His um portfolio that's the word his portfolio is athletics sport brawling strength and courage imagine a muscular dude just you know nine feet tall big red beard long bushy red hair doesn't wear a shirt muscled to the nines a, a wwe style dude just huge bulked out he wears a fighting girdle um uh made from red dragon's hide he wears gauntlets from white dragon's hide and blue uh, uh, boots from blue dragon's hide this guy Some- I'm guessing these are dragons he's slain then. That's right. He is. You know, um, if you're going to wear it, you can only wear the pelt of creatures you've slain. I have the got to believe that's a rule somewhere. That's right. I think that's that, that's the case. Um, he is um, the foe of dragon kind in general. Well, that explains the garb. So um, he is um, his symbol, by the way, is an eight pointed um, star 
composed of spears and maces. Um, so uh, that's it's pretty cool. Um, now um, he has a, a sword, a great big broadsword, and it's a sentient broadsword named Kelmar. Um, and he carries that, uh, and he also carries a regular uh, broadsword into battle, um, just in case. <laughs> um, you know, just in case. Um, let's see. Um, it and and by the way, that sword is a dragon slaying sword. So, um, very much on the dragon slay things. Um, when um, uh, when wounded, um, uh, cord will enter into a blood rage, uh, and it's uh so intense that only the god Lendor can control him. Um, now Lendor uh, is his grandfather and um, Falcon and Cyril are his uh, uh, parents um, so here you get um, some of that stuff that we haven't you don't always see with Greyhawk deities and that is explicit biological relationships and um, a little bit of mythology mm-hmm. um, um, in the story something just like a few little details but something you could absolutely work with and and these mytholo- mythological details work itself out into uh the game world in that um a plea a priest of cord will always defer to a priest of lendor uh, that's higher than him oh yeah okay all right because it's a fa- this family because of the paternal yeah so that's kind of cool. All right. So um, he is a foe of all dragon kinds, especially law and evil, lawful evil dragons. Um, so, and we have to say something about cord to cord is um, if, if something can be settled using a, 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 a sport or a, an athletic contest or a mm. demonstration of strength or courage, um, all the better um so um he's um so um so that that's that's um important to see with with his uh um with his his thing so he's not just against dragons but he his primarily primary portfolio is this athletics sports brawling wrestling gladiating you'd say strength courage um uh non-lethal um sports so um he's going to want his bar uh, he inspires lots of uh barbarian tribes to use non-lethal sports as a method for resolving disputes mm. um uh, mm-hmm. Choosing leaders. Choosing leaders. Um, Seeing who goes first in the mess hall. (laughs) Um, That's right. Um, (laughs) By the way, those who flee from battle in the um, are are excommunicated. Yeah, it can't be well looked upon there. Yeah. No. Um, So um, cowardice is bad. Uh, The strong and fit should rule the weak. And and this is stereotypical barbarian stuff. so cord is the perfect god for barbarians um you've got the blood rage you've got the you know stereotypical um you know over the top masculine physique 
with a big broadsword. You've got. Um, it looks like uh, one of the renderings I saw. I think it was the Deities and Demigods third edition. He looks kind of like He Man, you know, Masters right. of the Universe guy. That's right. He is reputed to have um, come down and dallied with beautiful humans or beautiful elves or even giants. Uh, tales are told that uh, great heroes are born because of his um, um, insatiable lust for uh, beautiful women, uh, <laughs> these kinds of things. Um, his dogma here, the little creed uh, that's found in the gazetteer uh, here, the strong and fit should lead the weaker. Bravery is the best quality in any ruler scorn cowardice notice how short that creed is compared to some of the other ones that that's because um the religion around cord is very terse (laughs) prayers cut and dry yeah prayers are very short their um ceremonies are very short um um they don't and you know all of the rites are kept brief. They don't last more than a minute or two. Um, sometimes there's joyous dancing or uh, held at the end of a battle or some strength feat of strength. Um, often, um, instead of like, um, instead of what, you know, instead of like a, um, giving your testimony at a you know, in a Christian context the, the the church of cord you publicly recite your your physical accomplishments your glorious victories mm-hmm. <laughs> like i ate 50 wings once <laughs> um you know something like that yeah um i, I once <laughs> tore the leg off a kobold or something um you know songs of praise to cord and Mm-hmm. listing the battles that you fought in his name and this kind of thing um that that's kind of um um, um yeah that, that's kind of the uh um it feels like it, it feels like very you know very much in terms of a barbarian um cords clerics are expected to they, they have to be leader, leaders they're supposed to train people to be stronger organize athletic tournaments, participate in physical challenges. See, these are odd clerics. They're like, you know, gym leaders. Yeah, like personal trainers almost. Personal trainers. Um, uh, Doubting their fitness is a grave insult. I think by fitness there, it does not mean, you know, their yoga skills. It it means um, how good they are. Yeah, Um, they're they're physical badassery. That's right. Though I'm sure many of them are very flexible um <laughs> they go to great lengths to prove their physical abilities by the way wearing dragon's hide is forbidden to the clerics of cord except if you are directly descended from cord himself hmm. yeah interesting yeah. um cord's temples are pretty neat too they're kind of the temples to cord are kind of set up to be like arenas with practice spaces and in galleries where combat and wrestling and gladiating can be done. And, and they have baths and gymnasiums and trophy halls and statues to cord. Um, yeah. It just, it's just like um, Conan meets a, 
meets jock religion. That that's that's the kind of <laughs> um sense I get from this. So, so it's it's not like your junior high phys ed teacher then. No. <laughs> <laughs> um so how would you use cord in a game? Um well cord uh, is popular is the most popular soul deity. So anywhere the souls are, you're going to find them. But you're also going to find him in all the barbarian states in uh, the Filnorian peninsula. Um so you're your frost barbarians, all those guys. Um, you're going to find him in um, uh, the Bone March uh, to some extent, uh, Hepmonoland, the Medio Jungle, Lindor Isles, you know, um, and of course, um, that kind of thing. So, um, you I could, could see, do you think, like, if, if I were playing a monk? That a temple of cord, a, a following of cord would would work. Oh yes, absolutely. That's that, I felt like that too. It's not just, I mean, it sounds perfect, like perfectly perfect for barbarians. But I think monks, um, especially monks that are more geared toward the physical pursuits of monkness versus yep. the spiritual and uh, intellectual pursuits of yeah. monk monkness. monkness. Now, um. Yeah, and and um, so Cord, the faithful of Cord, often have to undergo tests to prove their strength, to prove their valor and their their courage, um, such as maybe winning in a gladiatorial arena, climbing a dangerous mountain, slaying a mighty dragon, that kind of thing. So you, all, um, you can easily have um, um, the temple, a temple of Cord, be a, a source of um, some adventures. Um, uh in a if especially if a party has a character who is from the temple of cord you could also have barbarians who worship cord and, and you're you're captured by them maybe you're up in the rakers and or um you're you're up in rad northern radic and you, and you get captured by a group of barbarians and instead of killing you um you, you in order to get out of the situation you have to go through some test test an athletic contest with another barbarian or um you know uh maybe it's the opposite way maybe um a a, a noble has um a, a noble has challenged has um um insulted and uh the, the strength of a local cleric of cord and now he needs the and and now there's a challenge a challenge tomorrow and he knows he's not going to win the challenge and he looks to the pcs to get himself out of it so um and and of course if you're playing a barbarian or a monk this, this would be a perfect deity to provide a backdrop to your character mm -hmm. um why fight the chief boss if you can challenge him to a dance-off instead, like in Guardians of the Galaxy? Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you know, something like that. Like, you know, all right, if, if we're gonna we're gonna have a feat of strength, and if you know, you know, I don't know. However, however you want to do that, um, that's that's cord. Um, There was one piece I noticed right at the end in the living 
Greyhawk Gazetteer, and it says, uh, Clerics of Cord prefer to use magic to buffer allies or to strengthen and aid oh, allies right. instead of to attack or diminish foes. So you're going to get a lot of buff spells right. uh, from your uh, clerics, or even if you have a mage who's maybe associated with a Temple of Cord, um, you know, you get a lot of aid, bless, guide, shield, uh, things of that nature instead of attack type spells. I thought that was kind of cool. So what do you have up for us today? So uh, we're going to go from Cord uh, in a different direction. Uh, my assigned deity, uh, one of the two for today, is uh, Incabulos. Um, Incabulos is known as the god of plagues, uh, sickness, famine, nightmares, drought, and disasters, which is, you know, we were kind of talking before we started the recording. Uh, really nice to look into some Incabulos here as we approach the holidays. Uh, <laughs> right. Sounds um, like, uh, goodness, sounds like he's... Cheery, yeah. Um, there isn't any real tie to a... A people of Greyhawk. He's not a Sewell or a Flan or a Backlunish. Um, he's just in Cabulos. Uh, his unholy symbol, and, and uh, interesting in here, it's not a holy symbol. It's an unholy. Like, make no mistake, you're, there is not a good side to this particular fellow. Um, his unholy symbol is what they call the Eye of Possession. Uh, it's the magic icon, the Eye of Possession. It's a, usually depicted as a green eye and a red diamond of some sort. Uh, I saw some imagery that showed like a lizard's eye inside of a dark blood red diamond, um, coppery sort of diamond. Pretty, pretty kind of just in your face looking. Um, Incabulos is known as the Black Rider or the Evil Scent. Um, and those are titles, um, no aliases. Um, apparently to see in Cabulos is probably not a great experience. Very, very <laughs> deformed body. Um, and in here, I'm looking at Greyhawk online. Absolutely terrifying is, is how they describe him. Deformed body, uh, skeletal hands and a face from the worst nightmare. And by deformed, it's meant to be not so much as like genetically deformed or misformed, but sick, sickly rotted. Um, the skin tone is this diseased sort of blue coldness. Uh, the deformities might come um, in the form of like necrotic uh, ulcers and things, the twisted, broken bone sort of look. Um, dresses in a nasty, filthy black robe with this really twisted looking orange and a moss green sort of trim. So not even a pleasant robe to look at. Uh, in Cabulos, typically rides on a nightmare. I mean, what else would the god of nightmares cruise around on but a nightmare? And is often accompanied by night hags or occasionally hordlings. Uh, anyone who meets his eye is stricken by nightmares. And he carries a nasty staff that causes seeping wounds and wizard withers any flesh it touches. Doesn't that sound lovely? So in Cabulos, um, Give you the dogma. This is particularly cheery. <laughs> this again comes from the gazetteer, living greyhound gazetteer. The suffering of the world is meat and bread to incabulous. Sickness, famine, and other curses bring him power. Some feel that the black rider can be warded off or appeased by prayers, but this only delays the inevitable. 
The world of dreams is his battleground and he wages war against minds just as he rots bodies. Um, his domains, obviously death, evil, destruction, the, the, the primary weapon for he and his clerics is the, the quarter staff. Um, relationships I always like to look at like which gods you know hang out together at the water cooler or go for coffee um this is pretty clear and cabulos hates all other gods except for Nero, the death god who finishes the work and cabulos starts but even Nero is regarded with total indifference um since he's the bringer of plagues famine and drought and because of the immense joy he gets from the suffering these things brings he really likes the suffering of these things he's feared even by the demon princes of the abyss and the archdevils of bator i mean the demon princes fear in cabulos neutral evil really lovely um dogma is really simple right he just delights in and draws power feeds on the suffering of others he gains power from illness famine nightmares um, and other evils and woes. Um, and again, you know, when you try to please in Cabulos, the evil scent with prayer and offering, all you've done is open yourself to him and it only delays the inevitable suffering and, and evil and woe and despair. Um, interesting about this, this is what I kind of think of as an outlier God in the sense that you won't see a temple to Encabulos on the side of the road on your way into Hamlet, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, typically, his clergy are very, very secretive and paranoid. As you can imagine, like, you know, you're hanging out on Maple Avenue in Hamlet and you see across the street the holy symbol of, of uh, Encabulos hanging in the front window of the house that was just purchased by the weird looking creepy people in the black, orange and green robes, you know, <laughs> not going to, not going to happen. Yeah. Adam's family. <laughs> um, you know, anyone who identifies as a clergy of Encabulos is bound to be run out of town, probably put to death immediately. Um, but interestingly enough, um, you know, Encabulos has very few true priests, clerics, but common folk across the Flaness will make offerings in the form of really nasty smelling black candles. I'm going to guess they'll use really foul and rancid uh, fat from a kill, let it sit out in the sun and get good and gross and make tallow from it. Um, and they do this in an attempt to appease him or avoid his wrath. It's almost like a plea to please pass me over. Um, or please go, you know, trouble someone else. Um, the more vile folk become his clergy and they'll venerate the black rider for his power and evil. Interestingly enough, he's very popular amongst the tiger nomads. So I had plans to vacation and visit the tiger nomads. And I'm going to change those plans based on this information. Um, the only time the clergy would reveal itself is if they plan to bring blight and suffering upon the landscape. Um, and then it's only to strike fear in the folks who are suffering. Uh, they just, they live to torture, spread disease and blight. And, you know, part of the mission of the clergy is to travel far and wide to discover new diseases or to spread them. And they're usually found in, in black and orange. Um, Rituals, 
you know, a lot of strange humming, chanting, droning on and on, quite the opposite of chord, probably fairly lengthy, uh, probably in a desire to just whip up as much fear and loathing and despair. Um, it always features black, smoky, nasty candles, and that's the only light source during these rituals. Um, they often pray for more evils to enter the world. Um, they they celebrate the iniquities of, of the world and pray for more evil to enter. Uh, the temples, you just aren't going to find them. Um, they're hidden underground or very isolated, desolate regions, and there, there are not very many. Um, one of the legends about Encabulos, he cursed a tribe of hill giants long, long ago, which resulted in the creation of the pestilent race of rot giants. Very nice. Lovely. That sounds so, like a, that sounds like, like a plot hook right there. Right. Not a guy you're going to enjoy, uh, invite uh, to dinner. Yeah, um, again, the, the clergy. Yeah, exactly. The clergy is very, very secretive, um, very paranoid um, for good reason. Um, because again, if they're spotted, they're probably going to be uh, put to death. Um, yeah. And then the, the time that they seem to revel most, if they're going to do any public revelry is, is during a time of great despair. So you might see uh, a group of um, encabulous uh, clergy arrive following a famine or perhaps right before a famine. Hmm. Um, but they would be there to uh, revel in the misery and the despair and do anything they can to propagate that. Um, perhaps a, a horrible natural disaster has befallen a certain region. They may show up to see what they can do to heighten the suffering. Um, yeah. So interesting also, um, and Cabulos resides in a really charming place uh, called the, uh, the gray waste. His realm is known as charnel house. Sounds, sounds lovely. Um, the gray waste is one of the levels um of hades the gray waste of hades um let's see here it's it's complete despair a place of horrible greed that sucks the passion identity and will from those who enter it and gives nothing in return um sounds like a couple jobs i've had right um <laughs> the, i love this next line and again this is from Greyhawk online the Greyhawk wiki there may be equal suffering on other planes but other planes don't rob those who suffer of their very essences while they find themselves being transformed into writhing worms or mournful shades lovely um the plane is used by the tenari and the bet betezu as the battlefield for the blood war so very very cheery cheery place there's three layers there uh, the river Styx flows through the first layer, and in that uh, plane is where Encabulos, uh, in his realm of Charnel House, um, resides. And it's actually on that first layer of the Gray Wastes called Oinos. Um, a lot of guts, carnage, corpses. You know, it's all the the flotsam and jetsam of the Blood War. All the 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 corpses of the demons and devils and and things. But also, okay, he's got some interesting neighbors. Uh, Kelimvor, the crystal spire is there. Uh, Yurtrus, the orcish deity, has his realm of flesh sloth there. Uh, Abathor, the dwarven deity, uh, has his realm of glitter hell. Sounds very, very nice. Um, so yeah, it's uh, 
cheery place. Um, so yeah, so that's in Cabulos. Um, I remember playing in a Greyhawk game. Um, you know, you, you would talk about like, okay, like how would you use this in a game? Right. Um, I played in a Greyhawk game where I had gotten an affliction, my character, and no one would speak once, you know, people who in public who saw like the, and I forget what it was, a rash or some, maybe some necrotic flesh, you know, eating situation, not good. Um, immediately, most commoners assume you to be cursed by the Black Rider, the evil scent. And, you know, so now I can't get a room in an inn. I can't, you know, I'm shunned. I have to leave town. Um, so I think an interesting way to use Encabulos is through his legend, perhaps haunt someone with his uh, nightmares, yeah. uh, perhaps um, bring a hag uh, as a monster or NPC into the story. And perhaps she's a uh, also a priestess of Encabulos, um, you know, a great, great villain um, could be a follower of Encabulos. Um, you know, you could have a group maybe trying to lay waste to a town or a castle or a keep and they poison the water and perhaps they, they bring in a priest of Encabulos or, you know, some, so to me, you know, obviously from the character perspective, unless you're playing in a, in an evil party, you're probably not going to encounter Encabulos on the character side of the DM screen, but I think you could do a lot of cool things. I know for my part, uh, just the way the dungeon master had, um, described in Cabulos to me and the reaction, the, the, the immediate vile reaction of people who encountered my character, uh, added a lot of flavor, a lot of color to the game. And we didn't even really encounter anything to do with in Cabulos. It was just the suspicion and, and fear, you know, the wives tale. Oh, you've been touched by the black rider. You know, you're not welcome here. Um, so really interesting deity in Cabulos. So happy holidays. Um, you know, getting ready for Thanksgiving and, and, uh, you know, by the time this drops, it'll be closer to Thanksgiving. And so that's, uh, that's what I know about, um, the, the black rider, neutral, evil, plague, sickness, famine, nightmare, drought, and disasters. This deity brought to you by the apocalypse of St. John. Right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Golly. Rough, rough stuff. So what, uh, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think. I've seen nightmares used to good effect to heighten tension in, in games I've been into to to um, play with a few characters, you mm-hmm. know, um, to um, end a session with a nightmare to set up creepy things. All that stuff is mm. is, is is would be can be easily used. And hags, woo hags. man! There's a there's a endless endless parade of joy you can unleash upon a group of D players with with some hags so who uh who do you have after uh indicabulos um we have istus istus so we went from the one side of the map uh the no uh with a sewell god to the other side of the map uh, with a Bakunish god. So Istis is um, the neutral greater goddess of fate, destiny, divination, the future, honesty. She's called Our Lady of Fate, the colorless, or, and the all-colored. So she's a 
Bakunish god, the most powerful of all the Bakunish gods, she usually appears in one of three as a she can appear as a woman uh, of any age, but she will often show up um um either as an as an old crone, maybe a mature and haughty noble lady or sometimes a cold and unfeeling young maiden but she always mm. has a golden spindle and with that golden spindle she spins the future into the present and mm. she weaves what they call the web of fate um she does not have relationships with other gods generally she holds herself aloof from above all those other gods even those of her own baklunish pantheon um um she's said to have a um a, a, a strange companion a cloud-like being who's a prince of the demi-plane of time it makes sense you know she's a she's the goddess of fate uh, our lady of fate and uh <laughs> Uh, she's hooked up with uh, the prince from the Debbie plane of time. That 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 pairing makes lots of sense. Um, um, also, um, the um, well, well, we'll come back to that when we talk about uh, relationships. So, um, so. Because Istis is aloof from and detached from most other relationships, her sole concern is the fate of the universe, its inhabitants. Um, so that that's 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 uh, important. Her her realm, um, Istis dwells within the web of fate, which is is thought to be somewhere. In the Outlands, a, a pocket universe beyond the known cosmology. Um, or maybe it's a demi-plane within the ethereal plane, um, which could easily be done now with 5e. Isn't the some of the latest 5e stuff, ethereal plane stuff? Oh, the there's the ritual of the citadel or some something. Something, something. Like that. yeah. Yep, yeah, that's yeah, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, but at all time, all place, anywhere, that is open to Istis as long as she has her spindle. Um. So, so her portfolio, the things she covers, um, also includes um, the idea of predestination, um, uh, worshippers, clergy of um uh, of is this believe that everything has been foreordained predestined um and that puts istis in in conflict with rudd who rudd doesn't like the idea of predestination um here's is this's dogma this will give us a sense of what she's all about everything is connected to every other 
by invisible strands that push and pull over time. The choices a person makes in life affect the pull of some strands, allowing one to alter fate in a small way. But some of these webs of fate have a strong and inevitable pull that cannot be escaped. The perceptive can come to understand these strands and watch them to uh, predict the future. Accepting your destiny is the greatest service you can make to yourself, for dishonesty about your role in the world leads to ruin and disaster. Um, most of the clergy are female, 80% female. Hmm. Um, they, um, these clerics have, have seen... Uh, the extremes of fate they've seen innocents dying horrible deaths and they've seen set, uh, sadistic killings and, and, and they've seen kingdoms rise and fall and all this kind of stuff um and so because of that the the religion the the worshipers um which are very few um um are, are um cynic cynical stoic um kind of what like unmoved unmoved yep just like yeah seen it um got the t-shirt um sometimes they'll come off as callous or unkind unfeeling mm -hmm. that kind of thing um they do hold honesty as a virtue and teach and like like you said, it teaches teaches the importance of accepting your your destiny, your role in the world. The clerics of Istis wear black or gray cloaks, uh, in robes, and the higher ranking have, um, their their vestments have web like patterns to mm -hmm. to talk about like the the web of fate, um. You didn't talk about her symbol um in oh it's that it's the golden spindle the, the gold spindle yeah yeah is her is her spindle um uh some of the rituals of istis including hangings of gauze or clouds of incense music of woodwinds chanting meditation these kinds of things there's lots of divination so um a, a lot of times you, you will find sometimes clerics of istis in um called upon to make predictions and divinations for important people throughout the world um so you you know think of the oracle of delhi that kind of thing um you want to know what fate it has has brought um yeah and, and so um that's istis you find her in divers, Greyhawk, Stoink, um, Rauxess. Um, but she's also worshipped in other places, Tiger Nomads, uh, Wolf Nomads, Zeef, Bissell, that kind of, those kinds of places. Um, how would you use Istis in a game? Um, I have a thought. I would think like an advisor role. Yeah. If they're if you're playing like a political game, mm -hmm. and you could even you could even build a character like a priest or priestess of Istis, mm -hmm. maybe take the sage, or 
some such background. Um, that's one way. Yeah, possibly. In our last episode, we talked about how um, Oblivion Seeker Les uh, talked about how Tolkien's world has fate as a as a big thing. Mm-hmm. And, and Prophes- prophesy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, well, especially, um, and how that's not as prevalent in Greyhawk. Um, is this is the way to make it to to make to make that prevalent to make that change. Um, you can have a cleric, uh, a mystic of, um, is this give your character, um, his fate ahead of time. You could have it coded or or uh, have it um not coded but um obscure as to what it is right. you know yeah um and then as you're playing your campaign that fate which you gave to them slowly works itself out reveals no what, itself no matter yeah. what no matter what their choices seem to be it always seems to you know maybe maybe they know exactly what their fate's gonna be and they try the, the players try to fight against it but in fighting against it maybe they bring it about so you can you can mm. play with this idea of fate yeah um, and you so can, so does that mean as a dm i can railroad the party kind of yeah in a way yeah yeah, yeah. this is this would be the there is a adventure that i don't know much about i should have looked into it all the hardcore old time um greyhawk guys are mad at me now called the fate of istus oh yeah yep you're right um, that's definitely one way to incorporate that into your your game is you could run that adventure you could run that adventure <laughs> um is it on drive through rpg it i'll have a peek while you're chatting how's that sound that sounds great um i think um another um um i can see clerics of um is this using the old quest um quest and curse uh um, spell uh there's the quest spell you have to do this um uh this is your quest you will go and you will go and capture do a x y or z and if you don't this will happen that's your fate that's your um you can take a like i mentioned you i think you can take a lot of inspiration here from fate um from um from from Tolkien's early works, um, I I when I when I was reading, uh, Istis, I was thinking of, um, it's called the Doom of Mandos, um, because the um, uh, because uh, the 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 elves, um, made the oath to get the Silmarils at all costs, and they killed um the Teleri elves to get to middle earth um mandos curses them and the rest of the book is about how that curse works itself out mm-hmm. that's um you could do something similar um, sure. um yeah with um if you, you know what you can do you, you you can take the time to place a game in the 570s or maybe early 580s right before the the war um the greyhawk wars and you can use um clerics of istis to predict the doom the right the, the fate of what's coming and have that have those events happen um 
so that that would be um that would be another way I would mm-hmm. think to, to to have a have fun with this idea of fate and predestination. I did have some luck um, on DMs Guild or Drive Through RPG in finding um, the fate of Istus. It's WG8. It's one e two e from Wizards of the Coast. Uh, you can purchase it there as a watermarked PDF. So just five bucks. Uh, but get this. Um, a dread plague has struck the world of Greyhawk, and the adventurers must travel the length and breadth of the land seeking an explanation and a cure. This is no ordinary plague, but one that seems almost like a punishment or a test meted out by some great power. Should the characters fail to uncover the secret of this quest, the world of Greyhawk will be forever changed. So there's the kind of the teaser, if you will. So you can incorporate Encabulos and Istis. Absolutely. In this. How about that? So you get a little twofer. So the fate of Istis, WG8. Um, you can get it on DMs Guild as a watermarked PDF. So they don't have the print-on-demand version available, but uh yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, so um that's um um that that's Istis. Um I think if you want to have um, some sort of um, destiny, fate, uh, revelation of the future um, uh, element um, that you—that's the way to to um, mm-hmm. to, to inco- incorporate it into your game. Yeah, yeah. interesting, cool. Istis. I knew nothing of Istis. Um, so again, a neat side thing about this is, is learning more um and as a dm i dm much more than i play um this just gives me you know cannon fodder if you will ideas for for games okay so the next uh item up for bids the next uh name on the hit parade is i use and we're gonna pass over i use right now and uh grant him his own episode so um just put that marker in your uh jeans pocket and we will return to i use at a later date uh, because he's magnificent enough in a bad way to uh, have earned his own full episode, give or take. So that leaves uh, my final deity for this episode to Nerol, the god of death. So let's, uh, I'm, I'm just Mr. Cheery guy here. Yeah. You get the cheery, the cheery so, bunch. Yeah, I know. And we're going to, we've covered the Sewell god of Kord. We've covered the Baklunish goddess Istis. And now we're going to meet a flan god. This is the flan god of death, Nerol. Darkness, death, darkness, murder, and the underworld. And he's worshipped numerous, numerous places known as the Reaper, the foe of all good, the hater of life, and the bringer of darkness. Another cheery soul for your holiday gathering. Um, He does have an alias, Theroth. I'm not sure what that's all about, but, uh, oh, that's the uh, the Akalunish name. Uh, Neryl is known as Theroth the Reaper. Um, Okay, so let's dig in here. Uh, if you should happen to run into an individual who is a black-robed skeleton with a rust-red body and green, ropey, greasy hair, carrying a staff um, that that will grow a, a Sith blade of scarlet energy, then you've probably encountered Neryl. Uh, he flies the sky like an evil in the... Uh, no, it's, it's different. Um, he does fly through the sky, however, uh, slaying the living and undead alike. For this is the, again, the, the god of death itself. Um, 
and he crumbles them to dust with a mere touch of his bony finger. So Neryl, interestingly enough, is sort of a, I wouldn't say a fan, but he respects Encabulos because Neryl kind of finishes the job started by the pestilence and sickness and suffering of the work of the Black Rider and Cabulos. Um, so they don't have anything to do with one another. Um, but um, he does, uh, I guess it's more of a bit of gratitude, like thanks for the business for the, you know, for starting people on their path to death. Um, appreciate that very much. Looking through, let's see, I got to scroll down to narrow in my gazetteer. I'm not cool like you. I don't have a printed gazetteer. I'm still working off the PDF, but at least I've got it. Okay, Neural, Reaper, foe of all good. Neutral evil, a greater god. Um, fiends answer his call, not out of uh, loyalty, out of fear. For Neural hates all life, and he will even destroy his own servants out of displeasure, out of spite, and, and I... It's not written anywhere. I didn't read it anywhere, but I'd guess maybe even out of just pure enjoyment or even boredom. His uh, symbol, his holy symbol or unholy symbol is a uh, a skull and Sith together. Um, so here's here's the dogma, the, the little blurb that uh, is included for each deity in the gazetteer. All are equal in Nero's cold realm. Every living thing is an affront to the reaper and every death brings a dark spark of joy to his long dead heart. Those who pray to Nero to appease him only attract his attention and their own doom. Those who kill in his name shall be rewarded. So I feel like you're not going to want to try to attract this fellow's attention uh, by worshiping him or offering anything. Um, Surprise, surprise, uh, the clergy of Neryl are secretive and solitary because, you know, who wants that priest hanging around at uh, parties? Um, typically, you won't see any organized church of Neryl except in the most evil lands. So I would assume that the uh, presence of Neralite clergy are not uncommon in the lands of Ayus, would be my guess. Yeah, probably. Neryl's clerics commit murder as offerings to their God. That is their ritual. That is their purpose, if you will. So you can already see why, you know, if somebody starts nailing together a temple of Neryl in the neighborhood, that's going to get uh, burnt down. Neryl's faithful believe they'll be rewarded for acts of murder. Again, because every living thing is an abomination in the eyes of the Reaper. The Reaper is death itself. There's this great illustration in Greyhawk Online of a, looks like a rotted, corroded, pitted head of a Sith with a rotted limb laying across it in this just gross, rotted skull. Um, just oh, darkness, darkness. It's believed, again, that any form of appeasement, any attempt to commune with Neural only draws his attention, and it is something that is at all costs to be avoided. You don't want the Reaper to come calling. Um, and in fact, Neural seems to somehow draw power from the absolute avoidance of his name. Wow. 
Like you can't win with that one. Um, the Horned Society, the White Kingdom, um, the Reaper is one of their patrons. Um, yeah, very nice. Um, they typically, clerics, the uh, priests, um, typically disguise themselves. Obviously, they don't want to be out there um, marketing, if you will, their services. But when they're not in disguise for whatever reason, uh, they dress in the same rust red hue as the bones of Neural himself. Uh, interesting bit about the clergy. Those who wish to become priests of Neural must undergo an arduous initiation that climaxes in being buried alive for a period of time. Oh, that's fun. Nice. Um, temples, usually hidden, usually underground, and only out in the open in the most evil lands. Um, let's see. One place vile enough to openly host sizable temples of the foe of all good is Relastra. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Um, well-known cults of Neryl include the Shriven Sickle in Greyhawk, which seeks to undermine the Church of St. Cuthbert there. Um, the hidden sickle, midnight darkness, other cult names. Um, there was a, a, a subterranean war fought by the followers of narrow under castle Greyhawk itself. Uh, they did battle with the followers of, uh, Vaprak. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. They've, they've been there to, uh, in the, the hold of the sea princes to, to wreak havoc and unseat, uh, Gion the second. Um, so usurpers, uh, destroyers of all that's good, all that's alive. Um, the rituals, absolute blackness, ghastly, ghastly liturgies of fear, litanies of suffering, and murder is done as homage. So you know that a ritual is going to involve the taking of a life. Um, so can you imagine what the other side of the pantheon must feel about the clergy of Neryl? Uh, you know, the, the, the paladins of Lathander and Pelor. Well, Lathander, excuse me, I flipped uh, settings entirely on you there. I went Forgotten Realms for a second, please. That's forgive right. me. I'll do my penance later. Um, right. Yeah, so can you just imagine what goodness must do Foltus. when it encounters Foltus? Yeah, Foltus, thank you. Um, would, would do upon encountering, say, a hidden cult uh, of Neural. Um and so speaking of, of cults, what a great way as a DM. Again, I feel like Neryl is going to be more used as a, as a DM's tool yeah. um, than as a player character resource, at least <laughs> most of my games anyway, because we don't I typically don't DM an evil uh, campaign. Um, but boy, if you need some cultists, yeah. I would think that the cultists uh, following Neryl would provide uh, ample uh, opportunity for a party of heroes to ply their trade. Um, I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking of, wouldn't it be interesting if somebody, you know, accidentally tricked one of the PCs into attracting the attention of Neural? Maybe the PCs are tracking a cult and they don't know what kind of cult it is. And so they right. infiltrate it and all of a sudden um at the last moment they have actually take part in the in the um in the ritual and now they've attracted 
the attention of Neural. And so now, <laughs> now things get hairy for them. Might be yeah, fine. and they were even told before they embarked on this infiltrate, whatever you do, don't attract the attention of Neural. Yeah, whoops. Maybe that, um, maybe that uh, cleric of Istus gave It's them going a, to happen. Beware, you're going to attract... Oh, no, I won't. I would never do that. That's right. <laughs> so, again, another great tool. If you're a dungeon master who likes to throw things in the path of your party that that befuddle them, that frighten them to their core, um, that absolutely uh, stymie any any good their heroes attempt to do, uh, Neryl and, and his clergy are an excellent resource for you. Um, an interesting legend. I always like to look into like the myths and legends and the stories. It's a great way to incorporate the deities in your game. So here's one about Obad High and the Coming of Winter, which is a little bit of a preview. We'll be reviewing Obad High. Uh, up in a coming episode here, along with Foltus. Um, in the litanies of the old faith, it is Nero who ushers in the winter chill every year by slaying Obad High, the god of nature, and hanging the corpse from the tree that grew the fruit from which Obad High was born. Just let that soak in. <laughs> After seven days, Pelor cuts Obad High from the tree and plants them in the earth. Beori's tears cause a new sapling to grow, which forms a fruit from which Obad Hai is reborn in the spring. And so the cycle continues. I feel like you could build a, a really cool adventure around druids of Obad Hai um, encountering, you know, priests of Neril in the grove or some, you know, I mean, you could really have some fun with that. Um, so, yeah, so that's Neril. Um <laughs> Oh, he does have a holy day if you if you'd like to celebrate. Uh, the Blood Moon Festival uh, is celebrated on Cold Even Eleven uh, or Eleven Cold Even, so um, that's particularly sacred to Nero. So there you go. There you go. I feel so like I need to go listen to some uh, Iron Maiden or something right now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's our that's our four deities. Uh, hopefully, you've uh, as a DM, you've found some interesting tools or resources. As a player, you've thought, hmm, a monk of Cord or a diviner of Istis or perhaps a a uh, servant of a court, uh, a seer of, of Istis, something like that. Or again, as a DM, maybe you're going to taint your uh, upcoming campaign with the darkness of uh, the Black Rider or uh, Neryl the Reaper. So pretty cool stuff. Next time we visit the deities of Greyhawk, uh, Mateus is going to present Obad Hai, the god of nature. Um, I'll uh, share with you what I know about Olidamara, the god of revelry. Um, and then Mateus will take Pelor, the god of sun and healing. So after some encabulos and Nerul, we need to get to old Pelor wound up here. And then I'll wrap with uh, Foltis, a double dose of uh, goodness and light. Uh, Foltis, the god of light and law. So we have 11 deities left on the list. We're not going to present Vecna in this series. We feel like Vecna ought to get their own uh, episode, or maybe we'll, we'll pair them with Ayus. Depends on how we want to do it. But uh, certainly hope you've enjoyed our digging through the, um, the deities of the Greyhawk Pantheon. Most of our resources coming from the Greyhawk Wiki, Greyhawk Online, um, and also the Living Greyhog Gazetteer. And there's also been some good nuggets, some great imagery, by the way, in the third edition Deities and Demigods. If you like to see good color illustrations of the gods and their holy symbols and things, uh, that book is good for that. So uh, anything else, uh, Mateus, you want to share before we wrap this thing up? 
No, that sounds about it. That's all right. Sounds like a, a bit of an apocalyptic episode, but that's okay. uh, it's a big one coming up. Yeah, some big, uh, some some deities that folks are probably more familiar with, a little bit more mainstream, if you will. Um, so you know, if you're a fan of the druid uh, or the ranger, Obad High, you know, much like Alana. Um, so gonna gonna definitely want to catch that. So thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks um with something uh either more deities or um we've had an interesting suggestion for an episode i'm not going to spill the beans on that yet but uh, if you do listen and you're a fan please reach out to either one of us uh, Mateus is at pr Mateus on the twitters i'm at wiley hobbit or just tweet at gray graycast 576 and and uh, connect with us that way um always looking to present material research and and discuss material that uh, our listeners would like to hear so please um you know keep those ideas coming and also uh support the Greyhawk community of of streamers content creators um you know if you follow graycast on twitter at graycast 576 we retweet and and post uh, information for a lot of streamers and creators in the Greyhawk space. So uh, make sure you're you're connecting with them. And and uh, we wish you well in your next adventure in Greyhawk. And please, uh, while you're out there, be safe and be kind. You've been listening to the Greycast podcast, where we explore the world of Greyhawk one podcast at a time. Mateus and I are excited to share our passion for the world of Greyhawk with each of you. We'll drop episodes every other Monday featuring all things Greyhawk. Please refer us to all your cool, nerdy Greyhawkian friends and allies, even your most hated enemies at the gate. You can find our podcast on Spotify and be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Greycast576 to keep up with Greycast. Until next time, remember, it's a dangerous business going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to.